Hey everybody, welcome back to Off the Beaten Clef. We are officially starting Metal March, baby. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I wanted to do something I've been meaning to talk about for a while, so let's get into it. Sweet berries ready for two ghosts are no different than you. Ghosts are now waiting for you, are you? Sweet berries ready for two ghosts are no different than you. Ghosts are now waiting for you, are you dreaming, dreaming the night, dreaming all right. I, I wish you and I were like more technologically or like even instrumentally sound because I would love to do a Wayne's World kind of like metal intro because when we get into metal, dude, it feels like at least for, and I would say just for me, for both of us, we turn into like Wayne and Garth when it comes to metal. We're like, we're yeah, not dude. worthy. <clears throat> and it's, I just, it's, our co- it's our common bond. Yes. And... <sighs> I guess I didn't realize how much I loved metal until I started doing this show because it is just such a fun genre and this is such a fun band. Like uh, two years ago, if you're if you're new to the show, two years ago we started New Metal March. Yes. And yes. It was fun, but we were like, that that well is dry. After a month, we were like, I hate this. I hate metal. I hate <laughs> I hate everything. Well, I- I think we hated it because we picked bands that we didn't necessarily want to talk about outside of Slipknot and Corn. Um, the other two were just two we felt like we had to talk about in that genre, but there are a ton of good new metal bands out there. Mudvayne, System of a Down, who we're talking about this week, is the best of all time in that genre, if, in my opinion. I mean, they kind of skirt the lines of new metal. They, they're not like your typical new metal band. They don't have turntables. They don't, they don't really rap a whole lot or anything like that, but... They came out at the same time as all those other bands, so they kind of get lumped in there. That's just the cleanest classification for them. I mean, you could just call them straight up. like You could call them political metal, but they don't like that label. Um, socially conscious metal, but that's nothing. So <laughs> I, I think just straight up thrash. Like, this shit thrashes. Yeah. Um, I mean, they love, they love Slayer, so. Yeah, and you can definitely tell some of the influences here. Slayer, a lot of those, like, very early... Uh, thrash bands they have a lot of that that energy and uh i don't know i'm really excited to talk about it we are going to do this album a little bit differently uh in in the past we've done like kind of opening thoughts a little bit of uh like uh forward notes and then we do like a song by song we're going to try and avoid doing song by song just for our pleasure of listening to the album so we've done a lot of background we're doing a lot of uh facts about the album the band uh, how the band got started, kind of, just kind of uh, doing a little bit more of a deep dive into into the history of System of Down, and then we're going to discuss the album as a whole with uh, a lot of tracks and stuff in between. So, just wanted to give a uh, kind of a forward note before we got started. Yeah, yeah. So you want to you want to start with the uh, the background and the origins of the band? Let's do it. So I, I can do this part. Um, 
so this this album was released on May seventeenth, two thousand five. Uh, their entire discography, they were only active through I think two thousand eight ish. It's kind of when Darren started his Scars on Broadway side project, which is terrible in my opinion. <laughs> um, so, they, but they've been kind of loosely doing stuff for the last since then. They've toured a couple different times. I think they did a they did one concert last year. Um, and I think they're like officially, they've got to be officially broken up at this point. There's just too many creative differences in the band, which we'll get into a little bit later. But, um, yeah, so from 98 to 05 is when they were, they released, uh, five albums. First album was their self-titled album, 98, um, through Columbia records. Their producer was Rick Rubin and Rick Rubin loves fucking this band. He, 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 he talked about, I think, uh, he talks about Chop Suey at one point on, um, I think it was on Rogan's show and like that awesome bridge where why have you forsaken me was just picked out of a random book because search didn't have lyrics for that bridge. And it became like the best part of the song. Uh, so just shit like that is, is kind of like the, cause the, the, the words from that book just fit perfectly lyrically with that song. Um, but yeah, so self-titled in 98 uh, toxicity in 01, which is what we should, in my opinion, we should have done. I flip-flopped like 17 different times on what album I wanted to do. Um, I don't think there was a wrong choice for what, which So Ad album we did, but Toxicity, listening back to it the other day, I was like, fuck, this album is bangers from top to bottom. I mean, all their albums are, but Toxicity is just, it's way heavier. It's its like if you compare it to the Deftones, um, it's like their adrenaline, essentially where the, all their other albums are good, but Adrenaline just kind of stands above the rest as like the heaviest one. And Toxicity is definitely that album. Uh, then they did Steal This Album in 02, which is, I compare it to, that's their Magical Mystery Tour. It's where they went kind of weird and did some a lot weirder stuff, but it's still really, really good. And it may be my actual like personal favorite album, uh, just because it is so strange. Uh, Mesmerize in 05, um, with, like I said earlier, May 17th, and then Hypnotize, in the same year, six months later, in November 22nd. Uh, it's, a, it's technically a double album. Um, and I remember when this came out, I was still in high school. Uh, for Mesmerize came out at the very end of my high school uh, year, last senior year. And then Hypnotize came out later. So I think that's why Mesmerize sticks out in my mind so much. Because it came out while I was still in high school. And then Hypnotize <laughs> came out later that year. Which I think is probably a better album overall. But uh, Mesmerize is just kind of had the nostalgia glasses on for that part of the double album. Because I played I played this fucking every day leaving school when it came out. I spent most of the week listening to Hypnotize. Um, <laughs> up until about four or five days ago when you sent me uh, a text like, uh, you keep typing hypnotize in the notes. It's mesmerized. And I was like, oh, fuck. Like, I've been listening to the wrong album, which it, it, it hypnotizes a great album. I think I might prefer it. Yeah. I, they, they belong together. Really, they belong to be listened to back to back just because we talked about it. And the fact that Mesmerize starts off with like the Soldier Side intro, kind of teasing the last song of Hypnotize, and the last the Soldier song on the back end of Hypnotize is so fucking good, dude. It's so it's so good, especially when you have it sandwiched between that double album, and it just kind of sums everything up of what they're talking about in the, those two albums. It's just it's it's beautiful, beautiful metal songwriting. And I think that's why I love System of a Down. I think Surge and to an extent Darren were kind of the last real true metal frontmen that I've seen in a very long time. They just were so unique. Uh, there's a difference between vocalists and frontmen. Um, to me, like there's just there's this 
thing in metal now where everybody kind of sounds the same as from a vocal perspective and there's not a whole lot of true standouts like like surge especially and uh i, I really kind of miss that era of metal that's kind of what new metal is really good at is everybody every lead vocalist sounds different like they're very unique in their their vocals um even if stylistically they're the same uh there's just there was there's something lacking in metal nowadays where I mean, yeah, there's there's different bands like that sound a little bit different. Like Ginger certainly stands out. Uh, again, my favorite bands are the ones that I think stand out vocally. So Gojira as well. Um, they have they're more melodic in their their screams, but we don't get shit that sounds like System of a Down anymore. And that's a, that's a damn shame. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I think we do get music like this. But it's always gonna feel like, damn! I wish we got more from System of a Down. But yeah. if any, if if we've learned anything, it's better to go out on top. And this felt like such a great pinnacle for them to go out on. That it's better to want more from your artist than it is to be like, I don't know. I stopped listening three albums ago. Yeah. Um, and that's that's personally as a fan. Like I'm sure System of a Down would love some more money from more albums that they've made. And we are in the minority of feeling that way because some people stay on, stay on the train and keep listening. And if System of a Down was still making music today, I think they would still be really big, and they're they would sound nothing like this anymore. That's for sure. Um, yeah, they released a couple songs recently that I haven't listened to yet, mainly because I'm so happy with this five album run. And I've talked about it before, like with Daft Punk, like they don't have that much music really in the grand scheme of things for how long they were active, but that random access memories was a perfect culmination of what they did. And I feel like hypnotize and memor hypnotize, sorry, mesmerize hypnotize was a perfect culmination of what they had done. And that was the pinnacle of their growth. Like Darren had started to do some cool melodic stuff. And from there, it was only going to schism farther where Darren wanted to take more vocals. And that's why they broke up creative differences between. Yeah, and we're going to get into that here soon. Yeah. Essentially surge and the rest of the band didn't want to do the same thing anymore. So, um, but yeah, it's, 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 I think it's a perfect stamp on what is an incredible five album run. Maybe my favorite five album run of any artist of all time. You're it's just, you're it's, acting like me this week. No, dude, I'm, I'm spewing, telling you, dude, I have you in hot takes. I've listened to this entire discography this week and I just, I can't, I'm, I can't think of another five album run that came consecutively that I enjoy more top to bottom than this five album run. Sheesh. I'm on it's I mean because if you think about it, like you could say maybe corn, but like it's like I don't know, man. It's there's some real low lights in some of that corn stuff, and there's no real low lights in any of these albums for me. They're all just so fucking good. It's hard for me to pick a least favorite song from this album. Okay. Uh, you you're you're cringing because I think you don't like it near as much as I do, but I also, this was like formative for me and going back to it and just listening like to metal nowadays, I miss the creativity that's existed with the system of down. There's, there was so much different from anything else that came out at the time and anything since. So. Yep. Old man yeah. loves music that came out in high school. No, but I mean, the yeah, Times sure. article is coming out right now. Sure, but I don't. I also don't think that's off. I don't think that's off base either. I think there's no, a lot of people that would agree with me. I know. I'm. I. I'm just having fun giving you a hard time. No, I, it's very. I it's very rare I see you this passionate about something. So, 
Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I forgot how much I love this band. And then once I listened to them again, I was like, holy fuck. Yeah, I really fucking love System of a Down. They're so fucking good, man. Um, and I, it's, it's, I pissed off at myself for brushing them aside for other stuff that I'm, you know, I'm also nostalgic for because they're still actually really good minus nostalgia. So, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, you want to talk, we want to get into like their origins and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so they were they're an all Armenian American band, um, formed in Glendale, California, in '94. Uh, so they were making music for a long time. Uh, I mean, I guess it seems like a long time because that was a long time ago, but <laughs> it really wasn't that long of a time before they got discovered and uh, started making music with their debut album on Columbia Records with Rick Rubin in '98. So really, only four years. Um, uh, it's got Serge Tankian on lead vocals. Uh, Darren Malakian on guitars and vocals, Shavo Odajian on bass and backing vocals, and John Dolmayan on drums. Um, he replaced their original uh, drummer in 97, so he's basically been their drummer since uh, they started recording. Um, and then another cool little fun fact on the origins of it, the group took the name from the poem uh, that Malakian wrote titled Victims of a Down. The words victims was changed to system because Odajian thought it or Odajian believed that it would be would have appeal to a much wider audience, which is almost certainly true. And <laughs> uh, it, it's it's proof is in the pudding. They have uh, they were, I think they did two of their albums debuted at number one, they won a Grammy uh, for Toxicity or no, they were for BYOB on this album. Uh, so yeah, that definitely holds true. Uh, but it's also because they wanted to be alphabetically closer to Slayer on album shelves. <laughs> so again, uh, like what you, what you said earlier holds a lot of weight. So clearly they loved Slayer because they changed their name in large part, just to be closer to their heroes in album stores. That's brilliant. I love that. Yeah, man. It's, uh, it's cool. They, they, have, there's a lot that goes into this band as well. Um, Darren and, uh, Serge, I think have a nine year age difference, which again, makes sense with, with what happens later on in their careers. And, um, but yeah, they went to the same high school, but they didn't meet till later on in life. So, um, it was an, Amer it was, it was an Armenian high school. I didn't know that was a thing, but California is a different world as well yeah. with, um, it's, it's far more multicultural than, uh, old Lily white Cincinnati here. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, it's, it's cool that the, you know, they kind of have this very national identity in their music, even though they're all American born, I, I think, um, but they have the very like their political streak, I think stems from their heritage. And I think that's a cool thing. And I think that's another reason why they're so special is because it was like, I don't know if we've ever had another Armenian metal band <laughs> in the history of time. I am sure that I know there are some, but certainly not any that made, had any mainstream success. So it was, it was a really cool, like, especially during the Iraq war and, a lot of the political unrest that was going on in their own country um, and their part of the world um, or their, their country of uh, heritage, I should say. Um, it was just a really cool time for them to be making the music that they did. So, yeah, I agree. I remember yeah. they went toe to toe with George Bush a lot. A lot. A lot. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They did not like that regime as it is, as did not, a lot of Hollywood and music industry did not like that, that uh, regime. So, uh, yeah, they were perfect for that time. <laughs> uh, so I've got some some facts about the the production and the the legacy of this album. Um, 
like Kevin kind of mentioned earlier, despite the different time releases of the albums, Mesmerize and Hypnotize were recorded within the same time frame. So I think there's, what, 30-something songs between the two albums. Um, yeah. I imagine they they kind of cut it all to what made sense for one album and the other, um, which is kind of cool. It's... I don't. I think I prefer them being separate albums instead of being a big double album. Double albums are so overwhelming to me. Like any album over thirty tracks, it's a huge thing in like pop country right now. Um, Ernest just put out a thirty album or a thirty song album. Morgan Wallen did that. Like it, and I appreciate it. And Zach Bryan did that. But like I, I just like don't even know where to begin. Like if you like a song, you almost have to build a playlist that be like. These are the tracks that I like from this album. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like I can't listen I can't sift through 30 songs in an album but and then have to like do my own work to like make it I anyway. I I really appreciate the fact that this is two separate albums. Yeah, it's brilliant, man. It it really is. And I I, I there, I'm sure there's a story behind it that I couldn't find it dig up. Um but it just, I remember when it happened, there was so much anticipation for the second half of this album. And it made me listen to Mesmerize so much more than I would a normal album that came out because I was like, fuck, yes, I can't. I know when Hypnotize is coming out and I can't fucking wait. So I'm just going to fucking play this album for six straight months <laughs> and it's... and then I'll play Hypnotize and then I'll play them together. It's just, a, it's a, it was a brilliant release strategy. It's, it's almost like that... Stranger Things with part one and part two of the last season. Yeah. Yeah. You build your own hype. It's 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 a it's a brilliant, brilliant way to create music. I think they're stylistically different albums as well, but they do fit together ni- nicely. Um, I think they had different things to say on both albums. But um, yeah, it's I, I hate double albums. I'm a, a huge anti double album guy. And that really stems from the white album with the Beatles. Um, that that double album is largely trash, aside from like a six song run in the middle of the, the that album. Um, and I think that's the problem with double albums. It's like people have trouble making an entirely good single album. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so to to think that you have thirty songs that are good enough to release all at once is the height of masturbation. It really is. It, it's it's like you uh, there. There's I understand like uh, hey man, I really want to get all this shit out, but most of that stuff usually isn't to the level of like where it should be. Whereas I think releasing them separately makes that stand out less. But on the flip side, I would prefer a double album over an album and then a deluxe version of that album. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. I agree with that because you're just buying the same shit with like some like raw cuts from the studio or some shit or or live or songs that they recorded like a year after. And it's like, well, it's not a new album cycle, but I don't want to necessarily be done with the old album cycle. And maybe it'll get new eyes on the old album. Like stand that music can stand on its own. Do it like a little EP in between albums. Like most people do. Deluxe albums drive me crazy. I agree. I, yeah, we've talked about that before. It's like just release it in an EP. Yeah. Don't release a deluxe album with four new songs on it. That's not a new album. It's yeah. you don't make me buy the same album again just to hear these four unreleased songs. And that I mean that's less of a thing now with with streaming as proliferated as it is because people aren't buying individual albums anymore. So you can't you can't be lazy and uh, just tack them on the end of a 
a previously released album and call it a deluxe version and charge more for it. So well, they still do um, it on Spotify and it it drives me nuts. Really? Like new artists do it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's dumb. I, I mean, I, I understand like there's deluxe versions from like before, like file sharing and like online music listening was a thing. I didn't know artists were still doing that shit. That makes no fucking sense to me. Yeah. Um, anyway, anywho, the album yeah, features uh, Darren Malakian, like Kevin mentioned. Uh, he's sharing more of the vocal work with vocalist Serge Tankian. He's splitting the vocals at least halfway on many of the tracks. And I would say pretty much every track he splits at halfway. Yeah. It's not which a, is cool. It's yeah, it's not annoying. It's not like overbearing. I think it is kind of a good um diplomatic sharing of vocals. Yeah, when when they when they harmonize, man, holy shit, they sound good together. Mm-hmm. And that that's why that's why I think I was so sad when they did have that schism because like I was like, man, they got magic together when they sing. I don't like Darren by himself as much. I think Surge just adds that extra layer of warmth and depth to Darren's. I don't know. I think he's got kind of a whiny, annoying voice, kind of. That being said, I love Old School Hollywood, which is Darren's song, basically. Like, the last half of this album is by far the better part of the album to me. And it's mainly Darren's Darren heavy. But um, I think it's because Surge brings that, that grounded vocal to it that makes those songs better. So... But yeah. Anyway, I'll let you. I'll let you go on your spiel. I'll stop sidetracking. No, you. <laughs> no, that's that's what it's for. Um, yeah. In 2018, Malakian and uh, uh, Serge Tankian both independently revealed that at the time of recording the two albums, Tankian was almost out of the band. According to Tankian, this was because of differences in creative input and financial revenue split. Yeah. It's yeah, it's I, almost I, that in every band that we've ever talked about, like. Once the popularity reaches like a a like a, a boiling point, then it just like fizzles over and shit just like it it sounds a lot like Tom and Mark from Blink. Yeah. Where Tom wanted to have more creative control. He wanted to do different things with the band and they were like, No, we liked what we were doing and you know, that that kind of stinks. But at the same time, it that kind of rift and that kind of like uh friction creates a lot of cool art like this album for for instance 100 man and uh i always blamed um darren for the breakup i never really liked darren that much i have always been a surge stan i just think he surge is system of a down to me um i've been with system of a down since their first album i remember the records for their self-titled like on the commercials for that on mtv and the the commercial with sugar and i fell in love before i even listened to a a single song from the record and i'm like and it was because of surge's vocals he was so different and unique and had a really cool tone to his voice and he was just a good he was a cool looking front man too darren was always kind of weird every time darren like took over a video like there's a part in the uh um fuck what song is it i don't remember but he like fades out fades in front of surge i'm like get, ah, get off my screen surge is so much cooler looking than you he's got a better voice than you he is that band so on further review it's probably more surge's fault that they broke up but just because he was the one that was like raging against the rest of the band um but i still blame darren <laughs> yeah <laughs> we stand we stand surge that was actually one of our first bonding moments was being like 
I think I mentioned like I really like Serge's uh, solo album, and you're like, I do yeah. too. And you were like the yeah. first person I ever met that like truly enjoyed it, besides me. Yeah, I love that album. Um, it's it's certainly not as good as any of the System of a Down stuff he was doing, but it was like that's what Serge was. That was like essence of Serge, and mm-hmm. it was really it was cool for me to listen to. And plus, Scars on Broadway fucking sucked so hard. It made me like that Serge's album so much more. Yeah. Um, that's the name of Darren's side project, right? Scars on Broadway. I think I it is. I, I I always get them and like the Hollywood Undead mixed up because they came out around the same time. And then there was like... Scars on Broadway, it, yes. Yeah. Hollywood Undead is completely different. Yeah, I know they are. But I like I always get them mixed up in my head because yeah. like, like, this, like old school Hollywood at the end of this album... And I'm like, oh, wait, Hollywood are dead? And he was like, Scars on... I don't know. I don't know why they got mixed up in my head as a kid, but they did. So, um, but yeah. Scars on Broadway sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, But upon this album's release, it was critically acclaimed. It sold over 450,000 copies in its first week. Kevin was one of those. um, Which it sold over 200,000 more copies than Toxicity did. That's wild to me. And I guess, you know, you think about 2001, there's a lot of competition. Corn was at its peak. Limp Biscuit was at its peak. There's a lot of competition for album sales. And if System of a Down wasn't as big then, but like, that's a lot of competition. In 2005, they were the only ones that were still like getting better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Getting better for sure. I mean, there others were still around, but yeah, System was still getting better and really peaking at the right time. This album debuted number one in at least 12 countries, including the U.S. Billboard 200, uh, with 453,000 copies, like I mentioned. Uh, It has been certified platinum by the RIAA. It was chosen by Amazon.com's Top 100 Editor's Pick of 2005. Couldn't agree more. Um, Yeah. I haven't looked at more than 100 albums from 2005, but I can guarantee you this is one of them. Oh, yeah. Uh, Easily, dude. Uh, Easily. The hit single BYOB won a Grammy Award in 2006 for Best Hard Rock Performance. So there you go. They're not metal. They're hard rock, Kevin. No, that is not true. <laughs> fuck, we, fuck the Grammys, we've already fuck, de- the Grammys are- We've already decided that the Grammys, if they classify it, it's usually appropriate and not <clears throat> offensive at all. Uh, or at least they try to be. Like <laughs> The way they handle like, artists of color is the most racist shit I've ever seen. It's like the most... like backwards racist shit i've ever seen yeah they're just it, the grammys are such bullshit man and like i don't know just the way they classify things the way they sometimes people that deserve it get it but oftentimes people that had albums that really deserved awards don't win them in a lot of people's opinions i don't know i feel especially, like the grammys are especially this year with turnstile uh turnstile yeah. definitely deserved a grammy but yeah byob won one and i think back in the early 2000s that was so prevalent for even 90s 90s and 2000s artists that you couldn't even fathom winning today were winning back then like i think we talked about alice in chains winning for like a really dark and gloomy song and yeah you know mudvayne won for happy which was fucking hilarious because i came up in full stage makeup and everybody's like what the fuck is going on yeah that's not the song i heard on the radio um And then even BYOB, if you listen to it, you're like, this song won a Grammy? This, like, spastic song? It, it made no... It, 
to me is thir- at 13 i was like i love this because it's going so fast and they're saying shit i don't understand and like why do they always send the poor that's the only word i even knew from that song for the longest time but um mm-hmm. yeah that, that's all the facts we have now um i think we should just get into our thoughts i know we've already got into them but um you, you don't want to talk about my last little fact there yeah let's yeah go ahead no it's okay if you don't think it's you good had it spaced show, down though. i didn't even see it <laughs> there it your is your cursor was right on it uh okay with 15.4 million <laughs> monthly listeners which is only 15 percent more than harbor right now uh they are 359th most listened to artist on spotify which i thought again initially i was like 359th isn't that good but then when you think about it they haven't released music since 2005 and there's a lot of art. There's a lot more than 359 artists on Spotify. So yeah. The fact that they're still streaming that highly with 15.4 million a month just really stuck out to me because um, I, I thought they had kind of faded, faded out of social consciousness, but it was just out of my own consciousness, I guess. Um, but yeah, so I was, I was, it was a, I was a proud boy when I saw that. That's why I added it, tacked it in on the end there. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. Um, I guess I always thought like they were so popular that I never even, and I'm kind of getting back to genre. I never really thought about what genre they were because they were so popular that like metal wasn't that accessible, you know, like, yeah. but even me, I was going to a friend's house who didn't listen to a lot of music. We watched that chop suey and uh BYOB music video all day long on Yahoo. And yeah. just like, vivid memories of that and i guess i always just thought like oh if they're on the the radio and they're on all these music videos like they're probably more popular or they're more rock or like maybe this isn't always what they sound like but yeah that's that's kind of my impression of system of down yeah man it's it is thing is like they're not that accessible like when you listen to it now like there's a lot of people that would hate this band, I think. But I, again, it goes. I think it goes comes back to Serge. He has like those really warm, really clean vocals, and I think that makes the music they're playing, which is at times extremely complex. I think there's a song on this album that switches time signatures four different times. <laughs> so it's like that's challenging music to listen to, but some somehow it all kind of melded together in this like really listenable really heavy really fast metal that people loved and i think like i said it's it's rare to see that kind of thing happen nowadays like there's metal that i love that's melodic that but it doesn't reach the same kind of level that that system of a down did yeah so. um i've got a couple notes throughout some of the songs and uh i'll just kind of throw them out there and we'll see what you feel about them sure um so obviously we have a really good intro with uh, Soldier Side. Um, it's kind of a, a slow, menacing intro, which is kind of perfect for to kind of catch your breath. And then we get in, especially like it's a good beginning and then a good end with uh, that and Lost in Hollywood. Um, <clears throat> but BYOB coming out the gate for our first like real track. That was the first song I'd ever heard from System of a Down. And it was very fun to hear it again because it kind of takes me back to being like a 12 or 13 year old kid. Just like, I didn't even understand what I was listening to. And I think if I heard it as an adult, I probably would be apprehensive, but then it made so much sense. 
because it the vocals are almost like off-puttingly frenetic. Yeah, yeah, man, and that that's a good description of like System of Down as a whole. It's like this shit shouldn't sound good. Like you know what it feels like in your body, but your ears are like, oh no, this sounds awesome. <laughs> and there's a good melody here, and it's I don't know. There there's songs later on that I'd never heard until I was an adult, and it definitely doesn't work for me as much. Um, okay. So, Ravenga, those gallops and the guitar sound like Iron Maiden took meth. And mm-hmm. I was like, I have to write this down because I know Kevin loves those gallops. Like, yeah, dude. If I could just listen to those all day, that might be our intro is just the, the guitar gallops and Ravenga. Totally fine. Uh, it's uh, So, that song is actually about an abortion from the male's point of view, which is super interesting. And about it's about how. Um, he gets his revenge because she's going to feel the regret of getting rid of that child for the rest of her life. It's, it's about a, a male getting an, like having the woman get an abortion against the father's wishes, which is a super like hot, hot take, but also like, I don't think anybody's ever written anything really about that, that male, male point of view. Um, so that gives that, that song, Very, very um, hard topic to talk about because nobody thinks about like, what if the man doesn't want the woman to get it, but then it comes and it's the woman's choice, which I fully support. Um, You know, it's, it's their body, their choice, but I think there should be some discussion obviously around it. Right. Um, It's just a really hard topic to broach. And it, it, you know, I don't know. It's it really made me think about how I felt about it again, and um, I don't know. It's just it's again it's fucking heavy, man. For a song that you don't think has that most much emotional weight in it, it really is. Um, it makes me. It made me think as a man who supports women's rights very staunchly. It made me really think about how I might feel in that situation. So um, I wouldn't say the things that they say in this song, but. Um, because it's pretty brutal. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a great track. It's not my favorite track, but there's some, there's some really weighty stuff in between what sounds like a pretty goofy metal album. Yeah. Wow. Didn't realize that that is heavy. Yes. Um, like I said, it really challenged my moral fabric when I, when I read that again, because I, I had forgotten that as well. And, uh, yeah, I was like, fuck man. Like, like it kind of, it made me really think about my own stances on things. So yeah yeah well that's what they do they they use like the opposite um the opposite stance on something that to make you think about things and they use satire a lot um and it's really cool it's kind of our favorite kind of uh way to get a point across yes (laughs) yeah 100 percent uh as we see with guar uh you know that works yeah um cigaro is a two minute and 11 second thrash banger and that's when i kind of started thinking about them being more thrash than anything else because this song two minutes 11 seconds it's almost uh hardcore or punk rock whatever you want to call it and i thought it was a good mix of darren and surge um it's obviously a satire song because they say can't you see that we love my cock like a thousand times mm-hmm. and can't you see that <laughs> i love my cock da, 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 da. yeah dude 
the way it starts too. My cocky is much bigger than yours. That's how the song starts. Yeah. <laughs> lot My of, cocky walk through the door. A lot of wiener talk on that one. Mm-hmm. It's obviously a metaphor. Yeah. Radio video. Uh, they're singing together, which I thought was really cool. They complement each other pretty well. It's like a wacky southern feeling track with like um, southern guitars. I don't want to call them flamenco guitars because i'm trying to be better but i don't know what else to call them and uh it has like a carnival-y bridge and they do like a hushed to scream kind of uh back and forth and then they go back to the carnival sound that might be the mm-hmm. song that you said they they switch time signatures like four times but i think it might be yeah it's so classic system of a down where it's almost like a horror movie where you're like delighted because you don't know what's coming next Mm -hmm. and i really love the construction of this song man like you talked about that when they go that don't put it don't like it's almost it's very carnival like but it's you take me it's just their their vocals layered over top of it man is just so satisfying to listen to um i don't love this song um i think it has the least to say um but it's still really fun to listen to. Uh, and I think it's perfectly placed right in the middle of the album there. So, um, but yeah, yeah, it's good. It's, it's really interesting to listen to. And I think again, the vocals make this track. I think it's one of my faves. Yeah, that's fair. That's totally fair. I, I again, I don't dislike any song on this album. Yeah, I really don't. Um, well, I dislike I, this next track. Yeah, sure. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> this co um, makes me feel like I'm on this song, which is a cool song title. Um, and it's about substance. It's about their relationship with cocaine. Where hey, it makes me feel good, but it also ruins my body. Yeah. <laughs> so who'd have thought? But yeah, this song, this title, or the track of this title, this title, the title of this track. Whoa, having a stroke. Um, <laughs> is definitely 2005 as hell. Like that's yeah. a that's around Fallout Boy and all the like emo song titles. Great, great job. Uh, and it kind of has like like modern rock feel that almost feels like more two thousand eight two thousand nine, um, but then Surge comes on with the vocals and you realize oh this is just gonna be like a frenetic mess. This song mm-hmm. makes you feel like you're on cocaine, and I think the vocal delivery is unbearable. Wow, that's that's unbearable. Heavy <laughs> I don't hate it that much, but it is it's probably it's my least favorite song on this album. For yeah. Sure. Uh. Violent Pornography is a great follow-up to that because we were, I, I felt like, I was like, God damn, is this how it's going to be? And the drums just go ham. Uh, the vocal delivery has its moments here with every, with the everybody shit. That kind of gets on my nerves, but it's so much better than the last song that like it's forgivable. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um that vocal delivery on the everybody's is very system of a down though. Like yes. If, like yeah. if you look at their whole discography, um, that's, that is their sound. That's what they do. They, they make it annoying on purpose, I think just to drive a point home. Yeah. And, and it's forgivable because the song is more well-rounded. It's got those crunchy guitars and lyrics are shocking that, I mean, like you said, that could be any system of a down song, but yeah, lyrics are very shocking on this song. Yeah. So like I mentioned earlier, this came out at the tail end of my senior year of high school. And so for the last, I don't know, month, couple weeks of high school, I would play 
this chorus as I was leaving the high school parking lot because I was a cool, cringy teenager. And I just thought playing violent, violent pornography, choking chicks and sodomy. I like, I thought that was like, I was like, oh yeah, fuck these teachers, fuck this school. <laughs> it's like, I'm listening to adult music. <laughs> I thought I was the I thought I was the fucking cat's pajamas man, playing this shit, leaving uh, leaving school every day. So um, yeah, man, I fucking looking back on it, this song is kind of childish, I think. Um, but at the time, I loved it, and I still love it to this day. But for different reasons, um, I think just the vocal delivery in the chorus is really really stunning. Yeah, no, it it is it's very cool. Um... But it feels a little gory at times. Sure, sure. Um, I would even say it's below that level sometimes. It's a very boomery thing to complain about. Like, wow, the TV is so gross. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, uh, whatever, guys, shut up. Don't watch it if you don't like it. Yeah. Um, I do like the end where he does the brainwashing. I, I love the end. Like the outro of this song is is cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, it's these these last two songs are really looking back are not my favorite. Yeah, um, for good good middle good middle album tracks. Stick the shit in the middle. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> if it's too close to the end, then we're like kind of fed up. Um, the the song question, um, I feel like as soon as you heard the acoustic guitar in question, you're like, oh god, this song's gonna be a, a neck breaker, and yep. There is a neckbreaker to follow. Um, it kind of is nice when Surge kind of goes subdued for the verses because that's something we didn't get a whole lot of in this album, I don't think. Um, yeah. And then when we kick the doors down at 2.15, that's how we like our system of a down, just like thrashy and balls to the wall for the rest of the song. This fucking chorus, dude, this is perfect Surge and Darren collaborating. It's so fucking good because it's a big tonal shift as well. Um, this song is so sad and so creepy. And like you said, him kind of being hushed in the bottom of it, um, I think really lends this song the way it deserves. Like the video is about, it, is, it follows like two kids growing up and then the girl eats these berries and dies. Um, and that's what this song is about. Essentially. It's about like, what, ha- do we die? Do we know? Um, where do we go when we die? Is reincarnation a thing? It's this kid dealing with the death of this girl. He's trying to really kind of figure out, he's trying to figure out a way to keep her still alive. And it's like that when they fucking soar into that chorus, man, and the guitars are great with that boom, boom, it's so good, man. Ah, fuck. This is by far and away my favorite song on this album. I think this was the second, um, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Palette cleanser? Nope. <laughs> nope. Uh, what the fuck? Why can't I think of it? What's it called when you release a song from an album? Oh, single. <laughs> single. Thank you. This was the second single from this album. Okay. And uh, yeah, man, it's just, it's so fucking good. I don't like this appeals to the adult in me more than the rest of this does. This album does because it feels more grown up in its construction in its uh its lyrical content uh it's just it's just really fucking good man and that chorus i could i could fucking i hope that's what's playing when i ascend from my body 
when we when we fly like when if that plays at my funeral um as i'm being lowered into the ground or like set ablaze however the fuck i want to die like that's what i want playing at my funeral is that chorus that's beautiful yeah dude yeah i i definitely think it is a palate cleanser for sure yeah um, yeah especially after the last three two three tracks so yeah but then we get sad statue which goes right back to thrash and I love this song. It's I knew you would. You, you know why? Because there's la la la's in it. Yeah, la la la's <laughs> fast. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm pretty easy to please once you know what I like. <laughs> Darren and Surge harmonizing too in this track was fucking beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Um, again, the, this back half of the album, Darren really starts to kind of take over more of the lead vocals, which makes it cool. Like, because at the time I was like, it's still Surge's band. I didn't realize there was the schism going on. And that Darren really kind of wanted to do a different direction as, as well as the rest of the band did. Um, so I was like, oh, fuck yeah. This is a cool new dimension for this band where we've had pretty much only Surge for the last four albums. Or sorry, last three albums at this point. It was cool to hear them like growing. And I'm like, oh, holy fuck, this is awesome. I love hearing this harmonization because you can tell, one, they've been singing together for a long time. And two... It just brought an extra layer of depth to what was already a pretty deep sound in, in their previous albums. So Darren is George Harrison. Yeah, kind of, I guess, but less likable. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to pull that comparison to see if you still felt that way. Um, old, old school Hollywood. The 80s, the 80s robot sound has yeah, aged sucks. poorly in 18 years. Yeah. The guitars kick ass, but everything else is kind of meh to me. Yeah, I mean, but again, Surge's chorus saves this song for me. Again, Surge's Surge is the anchor to everything that I start to not like about this band with the old school Hollywood baseball. Uh, it, again, this is about this is literally about Darren going to play in a celebrity baseball game. Uh, which is a strange thing. He said he hated the experience so much because it was a bunch of old washed up Hollywood, which is what the school song is about. And like the, the Tony Danza cuts in line is such a wild opening line. Tony Danza cuts in line. It's, it's like, that's that line perfectly, perfectly sums up why I hate Darren as a lead vocalist, as a backup and like supplemental vocalist fucking phenomenal but whenever he takes the lead on a song it's like oh god ugh, you uh, suck dude You're like ugh. dude yeah Go yeah this song like dude if you didn't like the hollywood the hollywood softball game then don't go did you think it was gonna be fun did you think it was gonna be fun playing softball with a bunch of old dudes what did you think was i gonna, think he went because he wanted to write a song about it uh, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I don't really care. I, I just This song is okay. It's okay. fine. Um, it's it's whatever. It's not one of my favorites. Again, but Surge is on it, so I'm going to like it for at least Surge's parts. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny. It's funny to hear about how he hates like being around old, washed-up Hollywood. Um, it just makes him sound do- like facetious. Like, oh, you think you're yeah, better? Okay. You're, you're better because you're not them. But you're there. You're playing in it. You are them. So are yep. you any different? Um, nope. The answer is no. Just because you think you are doesn't mean you are. Um, <laughs> Lost in Hollywood is the last track, and 
it has a last track feel. Um, you can tell even when it's on shuffle, like this song feels like a big Broadway finale song and it starts slow and it builds slowly. Unlike most system of a down songs where they start slow and then they just like kick into whatever song is going to be. And or they just kick you right in the teeth to begin with. You scared the shit out of me. I was lost. In thought. <laughs> <laughs> you scared the shit out of me, dude. Oh God! I, God, I wish people could have seen the way you jumped so legitimately. It's like you were forgot you were talking to somebody else. Like, oh, there's somebody else here. I was lost in my thought. Oh God! <laughs> oh, oh, shoosh. Oh. Yeah, oh, I don't even remember what we were talking about. Um, I don't know either, man. Oh, man. We're talking about how they the build of the song. Oh, yeah. The first time I heard this song. <laughs> fuck. The first time I heard this song, I thought it was going to end up being a metal track, and it never does, and I kind of like the subversion there. Yeah. It kind of like nestles you back into bed. Like it tucks you. This song tucks you back into bed, and it's like, it's okay, little buddy. When we start this album again, you'll you'll go through it again. You'll have the nightmare that was this album, but you rest easy tonight. Yeah, yeah, it's a great it's a great closer. I mean, we talked about we talk about it all the time, and having a great closer is just as important as anything else in the album. And I, I actually really like Darren in this song because he doesn't sound so whiny. He's actually again surge in the chorus, like underneath Darren. I think is really cool. Because he kind of grounds it in that kind of lower range, and it really drives home that point. What? what? I'm just thinking about the fact that you scared the shit out of me, even though we're talking <laughs> to two microphones. Yeah. And it's not like I hadn't spoken in like an half an hour, and so you could just forget about my presence. <laughs> Uh, but yeah anyway this song is really good i actually really like this song it's one of the few darren led tracks that i really like uh the message in it is good i mean it's it's kind of trite at this point it's like hollywood turns good girls into whores and strippers and porn stars uh and how they feed hollywood feeds young you know pretty young girls lies and um the streets are full of strays Stuff like that. And it's, I mean, it's a powerful message, but it's also kind of trite at this point. I think it doesn't hit as home as hard as it did in 2005, but it's still really good. Uh, it's a good message. Don't trust Hollywood. You should have never come to Hollywood, that kind of shit. You know, live your life. And, you know, with TikTok, you don't have to leave fucking Oklahoma or wherever the fuck you're from to become big. You can just become big on TikTok. If you're a moderately, moderately attractive girl who can do a little bit of a dance, you're good, and you and you don't have a problem starting an OnlyFans. You could be a millionaire by the end of the year. So <laughs> it's good to have the safety school. That is, um, yeah. I wanted to talk about construction a little bit. Um, we, yes. We've we've brushed over it, but I think it is methodical in the its terms of pace. It had a good flow, and I felt like the pace was constantly evolving, and kind of like um, who was it that we talked about with Louie? Devin Townsend, mm -hmm. very Devin Townsend-y where if something felt like 
if I heard this for another song, I would hate it, you know? And they, mm-hmm. I think they do a really good job of like, if they do something, they do it once and then they move on. But yeah, like you said, man, it's a good album closer and this does have a full like album feel to it. But if you look at the beginning of Hypnotize, the second part of this quote unquote double album, it jumps right back in and is super aggressive. So they they had that in mind when they were building these two albums. It's like we need to make them feel like separate albums, but also fit together in one full album. And Hypnotize stands alone as a single album, but also is perfect in that double album construction. I really do think the best way to listen to these albums is together. We, I've already talked about it a little bit just because the way it's sandwiched between that intro and then the reprisal of that intro to end Hypnotize and more of like a more full full force like. It's not a, like a brutal metal track, but it's definitely heavier and has, is more fleshed out. And, and I don't know, man. It's just the the construction. These these guys are brilliant. They're just truly brilliant. And it it really when you think about how they constructed these two albums to go together, but still made them made sure they stood alone as regular albums, it, is, it will never cease to amaze me. Yeah, I agree. I, I think one of the the highlights on this album for sure is the way Darren and Serge mesh together. I know they they were at their wits end with each other, but it definitely felt like they were complimenting one another or challenging mm-hmm. each other. And you don't yes. have to necessarily get along for it to be good art. Actually, it might be better when you are challenging each other. Look at the Beatles when George Harrison was trying to get in there and Ringo was trying to get in there and everyone's wanting their piece of the pie. That makes... If, if Serge was not challenged in that way i don't know if we would get albums like these you know and i love the call and response i love the way they harmonize and even if i didn't love all the vocal performances on every song i thought that it was so impressive because in my mind they're chop suey they're they're byob they're most songs that i know from toxicity or the really slow songs like loneliest day um it was a great song i remember it from disturbia like vividly that was like the first time i saw a movie and was like i love this song and i love this moment in this movie i love this so much but you know it it was really eye-opening to listen to this because i was so surface level with system of a down that i got to dive into an album and hear deeper cuts than i was used to and it was almost we always say like the deep cuts are always better like if we didn't do our our gore deep dive, I wouldn't have found out that my favorite album was Lust in Space, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. But it's kind of like Kobe and Shaq in their prime. Like, they didn't get along. They weren't best buds, but they they did the damn thing, and they won some championships together. And that's – you don't get on number one on the top Billboard 200 without having some good diversity and uh, compliment complementary of each other. Yeah, iron sharpens iron, man. It's I, I really truly believe that, and, and eventually they'll break. They break each other, but to 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 the point where they they snap. It 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 really does create some of the best stuff. I think competition and I mean, look at fucking Fleetwood Mac, man. They hate fucking hate each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> look at the Tragic Kingdom album. That's one of my favorite albums of all time. It's about how Gwen hates this guy that she's playing music with currently. And he has to sit there and listen to her sing it. It just, it really brings, I think resentment brings out. It's such a deeply um, complex emotion to feel 
whereas happy is very surface level, right? If you're happy, everything's great. But like despair is so much more complicated or like disdain or whatever it is. Like negative emotions, I think, are so much more complex. And I think that's why we love antiheroes. It's why we love music in a minor key. It's why we love like villains a lot of it's why people love the fucking joker right it's it, because he's he's more complex than a lot of you're like he, it's certainly it's why people hate superman because superman is just perfect fuck superman he sucks there's no depth to superman he's a he's a doofus who has godlike powers and can do no wrong that's not that's not i mean yeah it's it's cool and like everybody wants to be superman but he's not interesting to digest you know what i mean you yeah. get it all in one. You get it all in that one snapshot of him puffing his chest out, standing with his arms on his hips. It's like he's a paragon of justice. Cool, but like, there's something to like a darker side of things, and I think it, not only just in this conflict, but in just system of a down at, in in totality, they really wrote about challenging stuff, especially for the time. They really challenged the Bush administration. They really challenged the war in Iraq. They they challenged the hardships of their their motherland, uh, if you will. And they did it in a way that was so pleasing to listen to. Um, and I think I, I said not picking toxicity was a mistake. I think that's a much better starting point. I think Mesmerize and Hypnotize are way better if you know the culmination of their music before. Because this is the ultimate peak of where they could have gone with this sound. And this like thematic shit that they built up over these you know seven years that they were active. Um I don't know, man. Like I said, they're just they're just goofy enough to be listenable and just like harmonic enough and melodic enough to be listenable to a wider range of people. But there's fucking darkness in there. And that is always more interesting. For sure. What's, what's your favorite track? Question. Without yeah, without question. question without question, question. Song. Mine is either question or radio video. So damn. Yeah. I agree. And I, I think coming into this, I expected it to be radio, video, or violent pornography. Um, but as I listen to it more and my viewpoints on the world have changed, I think, and my viewpoints on music have changed, um, question these easily. And I think we both agree on our least favorite song as well. Old School Hollywood? No. Is that your least favorite song? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think it's uh, Cocaine Makes You Feel Like I'm on this song. Yeah, that one's a close second. Yeah, it's just, it's, I I still like it, but it's just... For how melodic this album is, this would fit better on like their self-titled titled album. That song would, which is more frenetic and more like, I mean, just listen to Sugar. Like Sugar is fucking wild. So, um, yeah, it just doesn't necessarily fit. It fits the least best on this album, if yeah, that makes sense. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to get into my closing thoughts and you can kind of touch on yours and... Um... Then we'll, we'll I kind of kind kind of already did. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so just for me, you know, I thought it was a really great experimental album. I knew BYOB before, and everything else is kind of just new to me. It's weird to think that you know I was listening to BYOB and Chop Suey, thinking they were kind of nonsensical, but looking at the lyrics now and realizing that they had so much more to them than just like. I don't know. At thirteen, you're like, "Oh, this is funny. This is chop suey." It it almost felt like an a, like a goofy internet song, like um, would be on E Bombs World back then or something, you know. But that's the basis of what a thirteen year old knows. Like he just hears funny, <laughs> yeah. hears funny song that says chop suey or BYOB. 
and I remember someone being like, it's not bring your own beer, it's bring your own bombs. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's realizing that they are more satirical. They're, they're asking like rhetorical political questions to kind of get people thinking and thought provoking. And it's like in your face metal. It's really, really cool. And it's really, really thought out more than I ever really thought of. And I guess... I kind of left them behind in the rear view at in junior high, and I never really circled back besides a couple times for, like, the really popular songs. And in my mind, I guess I'd never really pictured them as metal. So when you when you were pushing them really hard for, for Metal March, I'm like, really? Really? System of a Down? And I, I don't know yeah. if I ever said that out loud, but I was always like, damn, really? System of a Down? But after listening to it this week, I'm like, of course. Like <laughs> they're metal as fuck, dude. Yeah. Like their first especially their first three albums are metal as fuck. Um, the guitars, the drums, and I don't think we talked about the drums enough this week, but yeah, the drums no. were f- in your face and they they're perfectly mixed. I love the drums a lot. And I thought overall this was just a great first pick for Metal March because it subverted my expectations quite a bit. Good. Yeah, that's awesome. I see. I didn't know what your 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 level of listening to Soad was, so I'm glad that I got to take one of my favorite bands. Again, this is like a theme. It's like I get to introduce you to one of my favorite bands of all time, and you end up sort of liking them, and that makes me happy. <laughs> it feels like the theme of the show for the last like six months. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, man. It's uh, it's been a wild ride, and I'm I'm so glad System of a Down is back in my life, and I will be listening. I will never make the mistake again of not listening to them regularly. Because they are too good. Too fucking good. Too good. Yep. Songs of the show. Uh, let's do some of our friends first, and then we'll get into ours. Okay. Um, we'll start with David Smith. Yeah. One of the, one of my uh, new guys at work, I he told me, I told him I was doing a podcast, and he was like, he actually came up to me. He's like, hey, when are you doing metal? I'm like, we're doing it this week. We're starting Metal March this week. He's like, well, how metal can I get? And I'm like, dude, you cannot scare me with metal. No. He's like, well, like, like really heavy, heavy metal core. I'm like, yeah, dude, <laughs> fucking bring it. And it's uh, what? Fuck, I don't have it pulled up. What's the name of the song? He um, his submit? song is called uh, "False Reality" by If I Were You. Yeah, and it's really good. Like, I was actually, it was a, it was a proud pop-up moment. I was like, oh, cool. Another person at work likes the music that I like, and that makes me happy. Yeah, it, it definitely is. Like, 20, it felt like 2010s metalcore, and I. Yeah. It took me back. It was nice to have like a deep screamer and kind of a higher octave uh, singer. It just felt it felt like a warm blanket. And yeah, it was a great track. Yeah, thanks, David. I appreciate it. Hopefully you listen. Uh, hopefully you don't think too much differently of me. Um, <laughs> you made, you made yeah, it man. an hour. If you made it to your song of the show, David, you made it an hour. So welcome. Um, yeah, welcome. You're, you're now part of the crew. Uh, ben Carter says metal march is for the people he says i love metal march boys for so ad ditto to whatever kevin says well turns out <laughs> kevin hates system of a down and we're, <laughs> yeah. we're never gonna talk about him again least favorite band of all time uh ben continues for my song of the show you know i can't resist throwing ozzy in the mix gets me through from his 2001 certified album down to earth um it's a certified headbanger thanks to a slow chunk of a riff from Mr. Zach Wild, and I can't, and I can't, I can't emphasize how much I love the opening lines from Ozzy. 
It's gems like this that never get me tired of Ozzy's discog. Bonus fun fact, just learned today Trujillo was a basis for this album and the next album before joining Metallica. Praise be to the Prince of Darkness, Benji, Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, uh, Ben loves Ozzy, uh, which is fine. I am uh, him. And ben and I have gotten into some arguments about Ozzy. I think he's a little bit overrated, but I do love Ozzy. I, I think he's a little bit overrated, but Ozzy is one of the most iconic metal frontmen of all time. I think he's got a great voice. He was still making great music. Um, and this is another great, great track from Ozzy. And I love, I love Zach Wilde as a guitarist too. So Ben wants to know if you have time to speak about the Lord Ozzy Osbourne. He is, <laughs> when he's into an artist or a band, he is like a Jehovah's witness and I love it. Um, yeah. Metal is just Ozzy month for Ben. And yeah. if memory serves, this was around the time the Osborne show was coming on. Cause I remember yeah, this, you're right. This being kind of hand in hand with the show. The, I think the intro to that song was a Demon War Gear song. So um, that always made me happy. I was like, Oh fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got Louis email pulled up. I do. Uh, Louis just titled his mesmerized. It finally happened. System of down made it on the show. The fact that a band this strange has was as popular as they were is a testament to their talent, as no one has or ever will sound like them. Mesmerized was one of the first five albums I brought, bought with my first paycheck. It, along with Hypnotize, are the perfect final outing for System. The culmination of all their crea- creativity, the high note to end on. Uh, so yeah, he just he spent a lot of his email talking about his love for System of Down, which is awesome. I love the fact that he bought their Discog with his first paycheck. Like he, just, yeah, I think that's. I think that's awesome. But yeah, his song of the show was, or is, Boogie Woman by He Is Legend. He says, I heard it on Daily Mix and I love the drifts and vocals. Short short and to the point like Louie often is. Uh, I That's kind of the same thing I have to say about this song too. It's really, it's catchy. And I, uh, I really enjoyed my listen of it. It sounds like Rob Zombie. Yes, 100% sounds like Rob Zombie. It, it's it's a good, I think, transition from, like, Feminist February into Metal March. Because this is, like, a yeah. good, like, I love women, I love women track. And, like, we established last week, like, women are dope. So, this was, yes. Louis was bridging the gap from Feminist February into Metal March for us. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Louis. Thanks, You're, Louis. What a guy. <laughs> uh, Mason Miller says, same energy by Che Lingo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he was listening to last episode when I said I love British rappers. So he, this is this might be a play to me specifically. Um, but yeah, I love it. I love British rappers. Um, I do hate, however, when artists take like a euphemism that is popular at the time and they make it into a song because those never age well and they always feel kind of pandery. But that being said. I do like this song. I like the way this guy raps. I, like, I hate the just standard trap beat. I think that's it's, it's it feels like something that comes on a demo, like for a keyboard, and just like rap over this. But that being said, the lyrical the lyrical like flow is really good, and I did enjoy listening to this. You know, he he reminds me of like a British Big Sean. Sure. Yeah. I <laughs> I had like a, I don't fuck with you or beware kind of feels from this yeah. song. And the guy's accent is so much cooler. But yeah, I thought the song went really hard and I'm adding it to playlists already. So good job, Mason. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, so next we got Sammy, who said, Hallowed Be Thy Name by Iron Maiden. Maiden always plays. Uh, Maiden is should be mentioned every Metal March. They're, they're titans of the industry, titans of the genre. I love Iron Maiden. Uh, I used to hate Iron Maiden because I didn't love their vocal style, but as I've grown, I kind of like it. I think I'm just turning into a dad. Yeah. <laughs> and so I like dad metal. And uh, Iron Maiden personifies that better than anything else. And I think this song, the guitars go so much harder than any Iron Maiden song I've heard to date. The songs, this, the guitars almost sound similar to what we just heard on System of a Down. I don't know if Sammy's a genius and she did that on purpose or if it was a happy little accident. doesn't really matter. The guitars, this sounds like it could have been from this album if Serge sang, if Serge would have done a cover of it or something. Yeah, but yeah. Seven there, there's minute a... track. Seven minute track. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a good, there's, it's, a... there's like four minutes of instrumental, which is really cool, but it's a seven minute track. Yeah. There's a commonly held belief uh, that all of the good metal riffs were recorded in the 80s. <laughs> and Iron Maiden did a lot of those good riffs. So it's, it's, uh, yeah, Maiden, you, you're going to hear little bits of Maiden in most metal bands because yeah. they just, their, their riff writing was fucking phenomenal, man. My song on the show is Everything's Fine by Harbor. I'm the only one that me and Mason decided to, to zig when everyone else did metal. And, um, Everything's Fine by Harbor is my favorite song from the their new album that we've been discussing over the last couple weeks. And I love it because it is like everything's fine and everything sucks. And yeah. it kind of reminds me of one of my favorite uh, little like running things they do on How I Met Your Mother where someone's like, it's great. It's great. It's great. And someone's like, say it one more time and I'll believe you. They're like, it's great. Like, okay, it's it's fine. And so they just like let, if, even if it's not fine, they like let them just say it because they're not ready to talk about it. I love yeah. that because that's kind of the song is like, no, 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 everything's fine, but everything's gone horribly wrong. And I, I love the duality of both of those. Yeah, it's a good track. It's a great album, really. I mean, it's, it's nice and chill, but it's also kind of like it's got high energy to it. I think they talked about that's the kind of vibe they want to put out too. Like they want it to feel like a live show on their albums and i think they did a really good job so the last 45 uh, seconds they just rock out and that's how they play a lot of their songs a lot of their songs from their early albums have changed so much live over time because they just end up jamming for like a couple minutes afterwards like almost like dave matthews which normally would turn kevin off but i love the way they just like let songs take on a new life there's nothing wrong with a little jam yeah but when you when your entire concert is just a jam fuck off says says you what do you mean says me <laughs> I, I love it i don't go to a dave matthews concert and go mm, mm, i want to hear a new dave song i've never heard before because he's got so many and i want to get lost in the song i want to be like is this a new one or an old song or you wanna- i want to go to a i want to go to a concert to hear songs that i like played live yeah not not Dave and just playing fucking random guitar riffs over fucking. Yeah, I love that. And I, you know, what would be the hardest job maybe in the music industry is cutting a live Dave Matthews album and trying to figure out which song is which. Yeah. It's that's, that to me is not a good concert. (laughs) I I love it. Um, To each your own. 
Yeah, fair what, enough. What's your song of the show? My song of the show is Angel or Alien by Born of Osiris. Um, I, I feel like I've been talking about Born of Osiris a lot recently, so it was apropos that I put them on the list. Uh, again, this is a standard Born of Osiris track, a little bit of, little bit of electronica, a lot of heaviness. And uh, yeah, they're just one of my favorite metal bands out right now. So yeah, I think we talked about a country singer wearing a, a Born of Osiris hoodie the other day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, and yeah, this it does have like a little um, almost I say metalcore again. It almost reminds me of metalcore where they like had like the synthesizers. This is not that, but it's kind of gives you that vibe. And it is a hard track. I've been listening. I've been working out to Born of Osiris for a while. And it's great workout music. Yeah, I'd call them like deathcore or like new metalcore or something like that. But yeah, they're in that they're in that same vein for sure. So there you go, system of down, y'all. Yeah, that felt better than I thought it was going to. I was very very uh, apprehensive about this new format, just because I like I told you before the show, like I didn't take a whole lot of notes this episode. So I was like, I feel wildly under underprepared. But I think it led to I think. In your G, in your infinite wisdom, it led to better conversation. So, kudos to you for coming up with this new format. Oh, 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 oh. In a in a nineteen seventy five fueled <laughs> thoughtful day with the windows open and your and your dog. Yeah, that was a weird day. I went through every single nineteen seventy five album and created a playlist called the nineteen seventy five but good. <laughs> Dude, you yeah. it was it was a weird day for me for it, just having to kind of vicariously experience what you were going through. That I feel day. bad because you get my life narrated to you sometimes. And actually you and Sammy both were like in a group Snapchat and sometimes I'm just like I don't feel like being around anyone, but I really don't want to feel like I'm not alone. So me and Diesel just do something and I'll just like narrate my entire day and what I'm doing and what I'm feeling. And you guys just get it all. So uh, we love it, dude. I, I mean, I think, I don't know. I, I'm here for you, buddy. It's <laughs> basically what I want to say. No. Yeah. And especially, I don't know why I was doing that with the 1975, I guess just cause it was like one of those days it was like 50 and we could actually have the windows open. So yeah, it, it, it caused a lot of thinking about, um, how we do albums and i think this is going to be a, at least a fun way to try going forward and if we don't like it after a couple more albums then we'll go back to the other way yeah fuck it um like we always say it's our show we can do whatever the fuck we want yeah yeah and <laughs> we're gonna change it as much as we can just because that's how we are um, just because fuck fuck you the listener we... <laughs> yeah <laughs> you think you got your thumb on this show not a chance we don't no even way, have dude. our thumb on this show <laughs> Um, so I actually have my album for next week and I'm really excited to talk about it. Um, it's World at War by the band Dead Heat from 2021. Okay. Band I'm not familiar with at all. So I just learned about them over the last couple weeks and I think it's really cool and I'm really excited to hear your thoughts. Hell yeah. Can't so, wait. So, uh, I'll have the link to the system of a down album i'll have a link to the dead heat album that we're going to discuss next week if you want to go check out all the songs of the show we're going to have links for that and uh, if you want to go check out our social media we have merch at offthebeatencleft.com we have our twitter and instagram in the link our our twitter is at offclef our instagram is at offthebeatencleft and we love emails david smith he got his email read first because he sent us a mother flipping email 
Um, to be fair, that was a little inside inside trading there. I was like, he's like, how do you want me to just? I, I was like, dude, send us a fucking email. We love emails. Yeah. <laughs> and even if you just send the title of your song of the show, or you want to send your thoughts about the last week's episode, whatever you want to send us, we'll read it. And if you send it first, yeah. guess what? We'll read it first. So mm-hmm. um, off the beaten clef at gmail.com. And if you want to join our Discord, if you want to talk metal, um, Mondays are the most lit for our Discord because that's where we talk about the episode and what we're doing next. But throughout the week, it's a really fun place to be. Yeah, 100%. So uh, thanks for listening, guys, and we will see you next week. Bye. <laughs> I recorded that. <laughs> Good, because I uh, I stopped recording. So. <laughs>